so happy that the uh, Holy Spirit is faithful to speak His Word. And um, I love the confidence that uh, God gives when you've heard from Him. And um, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20 says this, Again, I truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name... Did I get the right chapter and verse? Okay, good. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. King James Version says this, Again, I tell you that if but two of you on earth agree as to what they shall pray for, whatever it will be, it will be granted them by my Father who is in heaven... For where two or three have come together in my name, I am present with them. Now that's a very accurate um, rendering in the King James of each word. And this one actually brings out a few things that you wouldn't notice in the English. But the Amplified Version says this, Again, I say to you that if two believers on earth agree, that is... They are of one mind in, listen to this word, harmony, about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, I pray that your spirit will quicken this message, Lord God. Quicken it, Lord God. It's not my words, Lord, but it's your words, Lord God. Let it remain yours and not mine, Lord. Oh, Father, as you use this vessel, Lord God, please hide me, Lord God. Oh, take me away from this message. Let me be hidden behind your cross, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, this is a very interesting verse. I've been praying this week, and uh, the Lord very early in the week, very clearly uh, begin to speak to my spirit. And and as I go on this message, I'll stress how important that is, how important it is to hear from the Holy Spirit. And the word that the Holy Spirit uh, was putting in my spirit this week was one accord, agreement. You know, in in this scripture, the one of the key messages in here is if two people will agree. And so agreement, unity, one accord, and all week I've been praying about that. You know, Lord, what does that mean? You know, what are you trying to speak uh, to your people and to this church about agreement, one accord, and... um, Unity. And so it's not as simple as you think it is. You know, there's a beauty when you have it. In fact, you know, in uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1, before the Spirit came, in Acts 2 1, they were in one accord in one place. And they were in agreement, which is really amazing because they just had a vote to fill the 12th spot. And there wasn't necessarily total agreement because they came 
two people were left and they had to draw a straw to see who the winner would be. I mean, oh, that can be a little stressful. But it says somehow they all came together in one place in one accord. And in fact, in Acts chapter 1, they're still asking him, uh, who's going to be the, are, are you going to come up and come and set up your kingdom now? You know, they thought it was time to go on and set up the kingdom. And uh, they had already had many debates about who was going to be what in that kingdom. In fact, in this chapter that we're studying right now, they had had that debate uh, early in the chapter. In fact, it says, um, chapter 18, verse 1, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest, who will, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So he is prompted in chapter 18 by the fact that they're not necessarily in agreement. How many see that? And so he's constantly trying to um, get unity among the church, among the believers. He's trying to get them to be in agreement. And somehow before the Spirit of God came, before the Spirit of God came, the Spirit of the Lord made them in one accord in one place. And God was able to take that, He poured His Spirit upon them, and they were able to accomplish things that maybe a group of 100, 120 people have never done. They, they literally turned the world upside down. I mean, uh, they nearly reached every part of the known world at that point. They reached by the devotion of this 120 who multiplied themselves rapidly. And our challenge today as a church is we need to find a way to pattern what they did because like they say, when the, when the pattern is right, the glory of God will fall on this church. I believe that. How many believe that? When the biblical pattern is right, God will fall upon this church. He'll fall upon His people. And so the goal is, what is He talking about when two people agree together? And it's really interesting in this verse because over the course of time, what we believe this verse to mean has changed a lot. And now if you say if two people agree together on any one thing, um, then God will do it. Well, a lot of times the message that we get today is, well, yeah, anything you put two people agreeing on, God's going to do it. And it's kind of like a, almost like a vending machine. You know, it's like whatever I say, He does. And in order to understand this, in fact, in the early part of the church when they would interpret this, um, like, uh, for instance, the writings of Origen, he was in the, in the period of about 200 A.D., so he was really close to the time of Christ. Well, the advantage that the early writers had, if you see the early writers whose um, native language is Greek, this verse means something totally different. And so we need to begin to understand what they were seeing that we're not seeing today. And Origen, as he began to explain this, he goes into a whole explanation of how that verse connects with the symphony. And all these writers are explaining the symphony and music. I'm like, well, how in the world... Are they getting this interpretation for if two people gather together and agree on any one thing? And the reason why is because our word symphony, in fact, the word in the Greek is, the word in the Greek is sunphonos, where we get our word symphony, and that's the word agree. So if two or three 
gather together in symphony, then the Lord will be in the midst of them. So, that's an interesting word. That starts changing things. You have to be in symphony with the Lord and symphony with one another. And so this is a challenge, okay? This symphony is not easy. All right, symphony, you don't just walk in and say, let's have a symphony and begin to play a portion of Beethoven. All right? You just don't do that. How many have ever been a part of a philharmonic or a symphony or or how many have watched? How many think they just come together and that just happens? Okay, now, now one thing that's always interesting is I have to preach material I know nothing about. So sometimes I may look like I know about, I know nothing about this symphony. Okay, but I have to preach it because the Holy Spirit told me to. But this does not happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. And in order for us to be in symphony, pay no attention to that man standing up with that fan. All right. But in order for us to be in symphony, how many know God has to synthesize He has to mix or blend, like you would do with music, all of us. He has to to mix and blend our personalities. He has to mix and blend our attitudes. He has to mix and blend uh, weaknesses and strengths. He has to synthesize and blend and mix all that together. And when all that comes together, we are in one accord. We are in agreement with each other. Now this word is used nine different times. And let me go down that list really quick. It's used in Matthew 22, the same word symphony. And it says, He agreed laborers to pay two shillings a day and sent them into the vineyard. The next time it is used is the next verse. Or actually, He says, My friend was his reply to one of them. I am not treating you unfairly. Did we not agree with two shillings. So, this word is is talking about a worker and an employer. And it says, were we not in symphony with what I was going to pay you? The worker was unhappy and he said, weren't we in symphony with what we were going to pay and receive? So what he's saying is, how can the work be done unless we first are in symphony. you see that? Now spiritually, God is trying to speak a message to us here. If we're not in tune, not just with each other, but we've got to be in tune like a symphony. Okay, we've got to be in tune here and here. And you know, and we can't have one without the other. If I'm not in tune here... I will never be in tune with my neighbors or my boss or my friends or anybody that's in my life. How many know that? I have to be in tune and in symphony with God. So it starts out being symphony with your coworkers. Because how can we do our job if we're not in agreement? The next time it's used. Jesus uses an illustration in Luke 5.36 and he said, No man ever tears a garment and puts it upon an old one. For if he does, he will not only tear the new garment, but the piece from the new one will not symphony with the old. 
That's the word match. The old and the new have to be in symphony to become one. You see that? Oh, let me stop here. Actually, I forgot something. Eddie, you should have reminded me. Um, Tuesday, this story actually reminded me of that. But uh, I'm going to be teaching. Um, I, w- I had a sermon one week, and I think that sermon was in Proverbs. And I was talking about from faith, um, from being a fool to having faith to being wise. The transition from one to the other. And at the end of that message, um, for whatever reason, it really wasn't in my notes aside from a list of scriptures. I had no notes on it. But how many remember I taught on alcohol? And uh, in my sermons, I, I put that in there a lot. Like I'll just throw it in and it's usually not even in my notes. But as a pastor, um, I love the sheep. And I am fiercely um, always trying to protect the sheep. And I see alcohol as an enemy of my sheep. And I know that a lot of people are struggling with it. And so whenever I uh, ministered that particular topic that day, um, you're not going to believe this, but I've gotten more input on those questions than any other subject. Can you, can you believe that? I've got more input on what my beliefs are on alcohol than any other subject I've ever preached on. So we have a little period of time here around the holidays. They finished up the study on Revelation. And so on Tuesday night, um, I figure it'll be around three to five weeks, and I'm just going to present a Bible study on the particular topic. And uh, what I really want is whatever your opinion is on it, don't be nervous about being there. Okay, I want everybody to be open about what you believe and why you believe it. And then I'm going to present... Um, for me, let me just tell you this. For me, I'm a father first. And everything about my children is I'm trying to protect them from that because my family has been cursed with alcoholism way back. And it ended with me. It's gone. No more. And I had certain biblical foundations that I stood on. And I'll be honest with you, I hate the stuff. I see no good in it, but I understand that a lot of people have a lot of different ideas on it. And I'm not upset with you for having different ideas, but I want to present uh, where God led me. And I would love to have lots of different questions. And um, in fact, I would be happy to sit in the middle of the room and have a million cannons fired at me at one time. And that doesn't bother me. That's fine. Just bring any information on the issue or the topic. And one great thing about having an opinion in Scripture that's founded in Scripture is all the criticism in the world should be able to come to you and you feel strong about what you believe. And so I want to present why I believe what I believe and why it's critical for this church. And I would love to have anybody um, come in and present any other ideas that they have on the issue. Okay, So I want everybody to come. Can everybody do that? I want everybody to be at this study. It'll be an interesting study. Uh, one thing I love to do is teach, and you may not know that, but it's probably my favorite thing to do, and especially Bible studies. I just love to teach. And uh, so it'll be very interesting. No matter what your opinion is on it, you'll hear things um, that I believe you've never heard before. Because it's the one topic when I came to the Lord, yes. It's going to start Tuesday night, and I'll probably, just depend on how slow I it's Tuesday, 
and it'll be three to five weeks just depending on how fast I move through it. But uh, when I first came to the Lord, one of the first Bible studies I ever did uh, was on alcohol because I was coming out of a um, family and a life and a, I had to know the answer and I had to have something to stand on. So I literally, actually I had a file this big full of nothing but notes on it from the Bible. And uh, somebody borrowed that from me one time and I said, I have to have this back. And he never gave it back to me and lost it and, and I never got my file back. So I would like to rebuild all my notes. Right now it's all here. So this Bible study is going to force me to put it all on paper so I can make copies and give it to other people. But, but um, So I would love everybody to come to that regardless of your opinion on it. I'm not going to be hard on anybody. I'm just going to present uh, what I, what's helped me through life and what I want my family. You know, I love my family and I want them to know the same things that I know to protect them. So anyway, back to my message here. I need to announce that though. Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Okay, it's Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Please be here. If not yourself, um, a lot of times, you know who, who really liked that message a lot? Several people after that message came up that have struggled with alcoholism. And they love that message I preached. Because they finally had to come to that foundation in order to get away from it. You know, so that, that that's, I had a lot of support from people that were former home, uh, former alcoholics. Okay, I almost went another direction there. That's a different Bible study. <laughs> uh, but um, back to my notes here. Um, another time that this word symphony is used. Um, Acts chapter 5 verse 9. This is Ananias and Sapphira. And he says, Peter said, how did you come to agreement to provoke the Spirit of the Lord. Listen, the footsteps of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out too. So he's asking Ananias and Sapphira, how are you in symphony with this? How are you guys so perfectly in symphony to come against God by lying to, to the church? Okay, so you see this symphony everywhere. It's perfect unity with, with one another. Um... Acts 15.15, you can turn there real quick. Acts 15.15 says, And the words of the prophets are in agreement with this as is written. After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent in ruins. I will rebuild and I will restore it. But do you see the words of the prophets are in symphony with what we're doing. They're in perfect alignment with God. Now you say, well, what does this have to do with me? Because this covers a lot of areas. In fact, another time that it is used, and you can write it if you're taking notes, it's also used in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, and it talks about a husband and a wife uh, being in symphony with one another. So it's used in, in a lot of different contexts. What God is trying to tell us is, He, he wants us to examine the symphony and see how a church is supposed to operate and a church is supposed to move. And it's a well-known fact that if you are, let's say you're trying to listen to a radio station, right? And every one of us, have we have a tuner um, within us, and that tuner has to be lined up with God. You say, well, wait a minute, God is on the side of our church, Better be careful. God's on the side of Pastor Chad. God's on the side of Pastor Rod. 
God's on the side of the assemblies of God. God is on the side of the Baptists. Praise God. There's usually a praise God after that when they say that, so I just had to throw that in. <laughs> but think about this. We all think God is lined up with us, right? The angel of the Lord came to Joshua and he said, Whose side are you on? He was about to go to war. God said, Neither. But, he said, line up with me and you'll win this battle. Well, why was he not on the side of Joshua and why was he not on the side of Israel? Because God requires that we line up with him. He doesn't line up with anybody. So this church, as long as the pattern is right and as long as your life is lined up with God, God is on your side. But the minute this church starts to go a different direction... The minute this church starts to go our own direction, the time we turn our back on God and not listen to God, we are no longer in tune with God. And the minute we get out of tune, there are problems. There's problems in the church. What we want to accomplish as a church cannot be accomplished. So actually, I'm finally getting to the title of my message. The title of my message is The Tuning Fork. The tuning fork. Now some of you musicians will know what that is. But in order for the symphony to begin to operate together and as one and in one accord, they have to get in tune. You can line up 100 pianos, okay? And you can put the first one in perfect tune. And then you take that first piano and you try to get the second one in tune by that piano. And you go so on and so on to the third one, then the fourth one. Guess what you're going to have on the hundredth one? A really out of tune piano. Why? Because people are running all over the place, patterning themselves after somebody they see on TV. Patterning themselves after somebody who's their mentor. Can I hear Amen. Pattering themselves after somebody that looks like they're a man of God or a woman of God. I'm telling you the truth today. If you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, you could be out of tune. And we have churches that are full of people that are out of tune. And you say, well, how often do I have to tune that piano? You tune it once and it's pretty well good for a lifetime. Right? And see, here's the thing. When I go to preach a message every Sunday, I had better be on my face with a tuning fork and listening to the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? I get out of tune. I get totally out of the will and the purpose and the plan that God has for this Sunday. So if you have a minister, number one, who is not tuning his messages Every week to the Holy Spirit. Now, what is a tuning fork? Does everybody know what that is? A tuning fork was invented, I didn't realize this, in the 1700s. And basically, it was a bent piece of metal, and every time you would strike it, it would make a certain note. Now, a symphony is um, tuned by the note of A. So a certain string on the string instrument will match with the letter with the note of A. Okay, and you have four different uh, sections. You have the brass instruments, 
You have the woodwind, you have the string, and you have the percussion. And all of them can tune their instruments to the note of A. So they're all getting themselves prepared to be lined up with this tuning fork. And I'm telling you today, the tuning fork is the Holy Spirit. Now, if I'm not tuned up and I come and minister to you, guess what's going to happen to the next piano? It might be out of tune. Now, you might have a relationship with the Holy Spirit yourself. Amen? But some people tune themselves to the pastor. And sometimes that's good, but sometimes that's disastrous. And, and you begin to tune your life. And you say, well, what does that mean to tune my life to the... In fact, this is, listen to this. The main reason for using the fork shape is that unlike many other resonators, it produces a very pure tone with the most vibrational energy and fundamental frequency. The Holy Spirit is a pure note. And if you can hear the Holy Spirit and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, your life will get in tune. But here's the problem. So many of us are not in tune with the God of the universe. So many of us, uh, we're like this instrument that is just out there making noise and God had a plan and God had a purpose and you can't hear it because you're not in tune with God. And God says, man, I had plans for you. I had purposes for you. I want you to be happy. I want you to be full of joy. I want you to have peace. Listen. And the Holy Spirit is your best friend you've ever had. Jesus loved you so much when you were born that He was crying out to you from the very beginning. And God is saying, just listen to my voice. Just try to hear what I'm saying. Because I love you. And He's trying to train individuals to His frequency. And He's saying, He's saying, man, this is my word. This is, this is how I desire for you to live your life. But what do we do? We get all out of whack. Some of us run to drugs, alcohol, depression, all these different things and we get out of whack. I want you to imagine, if you will, this symphony. And in this symphony, we have a bunch of people that just want to be individual soloists. Think about it. They want to be individual soloists. And you're trying to make a symphony. I mean, God is like, man, if you can get in symphony like that early church was, man, we could do anything. We literally could do anything. But you come into the house of God and you've got, man, I've got my uh, violinist over here. I'm not pointing at anybody, so don't feel like I'm pointing to somebody when I do that. But we got our violinist section. And he's like, man, I feel like fiddling. I want to do a little Charlie Daniels jig, you know. I don't really want to do the symphony by Beethoven. And he's really good, really talented. And he's like, wow, you know, that's really good. 
You know, he's amazing. Then over here, you've got like the percussionist. He's like, man, I don't, I don't really like this style. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing too. And what you have in churches is a lot of times you have everybody doing their own thing. And God's saying, man, if I could ever get this symphony, if I could ever get everybody in symphony. Now, what are some of the things that causes people to be in symphony? Or causes them not to be in symphony. How about independence? Well, I don't want to be a part of a church. I don't believe in churches. You know, the Bible believes in churches. The Bible says that the, the, the five-fold gifts of the ministry are through the church. The Bible says that his church is built on the apostles' doctrine. The Bible says that uh, this is where the church begins you know, at the point where he says he's going to build his church upon this rock, and the church is where God's power is at. It's where God's authority is at. But we have all kinds of people running around saying, you don't have to be a part of a church. And it's out of symphony. I'll start a home church. Uh-oh. Are you against home churches? Well, if your purpose of having a home church is because nobody will lay hands on you and anoint you as a pastor... I got a problem with it. Because you're probably not qualified to be a pastor. Right? And so we see this individualism. I don't believe in churches. I don't believe in uh, doctrine. Woo, you better be careful. You better be careful. I don't believe that I have to live a certain way to be a Christian. Man, all this stuff's out of symphony here. You know, he's like, man, if we could all sing the same song, we could change the world. If we all had the message. And that agreement isn't everybody says and does the same thing. Because there's four different classifications here. There's all kinds of different people in God's church, but we're all in symphony together. Sometimes things that get it out of symphony is the fact that uh, our lives are so out of whack, how could we ever be in one accord? How could we ever be in one accord? It, it's the equivalent of, 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 of the symphony all having different note music. And we're all trying to play the same song, but everybody's all scattered in their doctrine. Everybody's all scattered in what they believe. Everybody's scattered in their, you know, their commitment level. And God is saying, no, I want to make a symphony out of this. How about people who don't want to be in harmony? If you look at Matthew chapter 18, uh, he actually talks about two or three gathering together and then being in symphony, and he's talking about forgiveness of your brother. He's saying, you know, that, um, in fact, in 18, you'll see it here. <clears throat> he tells the parable of the lost sheep. <clears throat> and then he, uh, earlier before that, he talks about if anybody's lifestyle causes one of these young ones to err. And he's talking about relationships with other people in the church. And sometimes we just don't want to be in harmony with one another. And this is where the personalities come in. 
God wants us to be a church that is in harmony with one another. That's why He says, if your brother offends you, go directly to your brother. If you still can't work it out, then come to the leadership of the church and try to work it out through that because God wants us all to be in harmony with one another. He wants all of our personalities to work out. God wants us to love one another, forgive one another, pray for one another. God wants us to be a, He doesn't want us to be a church that hides from one another, doesn't pray for one another, doesn't care about each other. God wants us to be a church that's in symphony with one another. <clears throat> We all have to play the same notes. Man, this is really tough. We've all got to play the same notes. You, I've got to get four different classifications. Imagine if you're a conductor. And I've got to somehow... Um, a, a, they say that a symphony usually is about 30 to 100 people in a symphony. And let's say that I am the conductor that has to get everybody to play the same notes. It's a tough job. I mean, these men, if you, in fact, I was reading last night, you're not going to believe this, but I have a giant book on the greatest composers of all time. So last night I was reading about the different ones, and they literally, I mean, they were such perfectionists that it almost... Well, a lot of them had brought them to the brink of destruction because they were so much of a perfectionist. But how many know the Holy Spirit is this great conductor? And the Holy Spirit is trying to harness every bit of power of this assembly together to reach a lost world. In fact, it says the lost sheep was out there and he left the 99 to go get the one. And... The Holy Spirit is this great conductor, and um, He's our leader. So first of all, the leadership has to hear from the Holy Spirit because He's trying to direct everything. But guess what? We have to be obedient to leadership. We have to all line up together. In fact, the Bible uses this example. When Aaron was being anointed with oil, it covered his head covered his whole body, and went down to the soles of his feet. So what that means is if the leadership is seeking God and, and, and living... In, in fact, did you know that leadership is required to have qualifications to live a certain kind of life? So if I'm obedient to live the right kind of life, to be the right kind of example, if my leaders live the right kind of life and have the right kind of example, that oil's keep flowing. And what it's going to do, it's going to cover every single person in this body if we're lined up. If we're lined up, Brother Bob, your prayer meeting, it's not yours, I know, but but the prayer meeting that you facilitate, we'll use that word, it's tuning time. That's what we do in the prayer meeting. We try to tune ourselves together with the Holy Spirit. And one thing that God is going to do in this assembly, and we're going to... Uh, begin to talk about these things as this. Uh, oh, let me let me say this real quick. I got a, a message this week that the the unit has been ordered, and within eight days it'll be here, and they're going to immediately put it in. So it's a they they've confirmed to me they purchased it. It's on the way, and they're going to put it in immediately. So keep praying about that. 
and uh, the ductwork will be right behind it to put that in also. And so, but anyway, once we get all this out of the way, we're going to be um, we're going to be laying out a plan. And one of the parts of that plan is we're going to be in God's presence in a greater way than we've ever been in God's presence. And God is going to take that anointing oil of the Holy Spirit and He's going to begin to tune us. That's what this message is about. Our greatest need as a church is to be tuned. Our greatest uh, responsibility as a church is to be in one accord in the presence of God and to hear His voice as a church. From the, from the least to the greatest, if that is possible in a church, God wants us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit first foremost. Because if the Holy Spirit doesn't, if we don't have that, how can we all adjust our tuning to the Holy Spirit? So first and foremost, God is going to put us in His presence. And God's going to tune us in a greater way than we ever have. Another thing, um, there is a leader that we've got, you know, we've got to be obedient to the leader, which is the conductor, which is the Holy Spirit. The second thing is, another part of leadership is, how many know there is a, um, how many know there are notes? And in a symphony, everybody has notes that allows this, the symphony to come together. The brass group has their notes. The, um, the wind instruments have their notes. The percussions have their notes. And what happens is if everybody is very careful to do their part, then the symphony sounds beautiful. And what God is saying to us is it really does matter how we live. You know, if the Word of God says something, I want to listen to it. If God is giving my marching orders in the Word of God, I don't want to say, I'll take this part, but I won't take that part. You know, I want to be obedient to the Word of God. I want to play my part in this symphony. I want to see, get this, I don't want everybody to come to the symphony and say, my goodness, that wind instrument player. I sound like a wind instrument today, don't I? I'll say a different one. String instrument. The guy on that string instrument is amazing. He's amazing. Did you, I mean, I, I don't want to be that prominent member that everybody gives glory to. What I want people to come away with is that's the most amazing symphony I've ever been to. And what God wants to do in His church is He doesn't want to glorify you and you and you and you or me. He doesn't. Because when he glorif- we glorify God together as a church, we'll see things that we've never seen before. That's the problem is the church is full of Chad Ricketts Ministries International. It really is a problem. Everybody wants to lift themselves up. Everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to be great in the eyes of other people. And you know what I want to be? I want God to be great in this city. I want people to look at this church and say, those people really love God. When they're away from church, they're not any different than they are at church. Their lifestyle really backs up what they believe. Those people are in symphony with God. And we're going after God with all of our heart and all sincerity. We're living the kind of life that God wants us to live. People can look at us and they can hear that pure note. Man, they're in tune. You ever known somebody that was in tune? 
in tune with God, that's where God's calling us to be. Wow. I already preached those notes and didn't even turn to that page. Wow. Praise the Lord. I'm going to close here. Let's bow our heads. Turn the lights down. Hallelujah. If you could stand with me this morning. Praise the Lord. The first thing I want to ask you this morning, I was with, um, I was actually with a, a man this morning. Actually, you can open your eyes right now. I was with a, with a guy this weekend, and uh, he was in ministry classes with Eddie and Mike and I. And uh, he came into a church, and I just, uh, you know, we, we take different people in the class. We've been going out for pizza with him, trying to get to know as many of the people that are in those classes as we can. And uh, anyway, I was sitting there with him, and I just, uh, was, we were asking him about his testimony and how he came to the Lord. And he said, oh, yeah, he said, I used to have a lot of really, and, and he's studying to be a minister. He said, I've had a lot of drug problems and alcohol issues, and he just started tearing up and crying, and he said, you know, God saved me. And he said, I want to tell you something about an altar call. He said, that day when I went to church, if he would not have asked me to raise my hand, and he didn't see me with my hand up and keep me accountable, my life may have never been the same. Because of the fact that I raised my hand, he seen my head, and I was accountable to that man, I, I think that's why I went to the altar. And so I want you to know today, that guy's life, he came down the altar and completely got his life in harmony with God. Do you know that right now the entire universe, um, if we're not in harmony with God, God is about to wrap everything up. All right, God has a plan that cannot be thwarted. All right, we're in the end times right now. And right now everything is in orchestra with God. It says the rocks cry out His glory. It says all nature preaches His glory. Uh, The people that trust in His name are in harmony with that. But then there are some people on this earth that shake their fist at God and they are not in harmony with God. I mean, the whole nature, all of heaven, all of earth, all of space is in harmony with God and it's like a great orchestra all going in the same direction, a new heaven and a new earth. But then there's those that are just totally out of sync with God, and God doesn't want you to be there anymore. God wants you to be lined up with Him. You say, well, what's it mean? When you're lined up with God, His love pours into you. You say, well, why don't I feel the love of God? Because you're out of harmony. When you have, when you're in harmony with God, peace. What do you mean peace? That means everything in my life can go wrong, and I still feel pretty good about it. You think I'm lying. That's the truth. Everything in your life can go wrong and you can still have the peace of God that passes all understanding. And if I'm lined up in harmony with God, I may have ever felt that. It's like, man, everything, I should be really upset, but man, I just trust God and I feel pretty good right now. And if you're in harmony with God, that peace that passes all understanding that peace that lets you know I'm right with God, God puts you in harmony with Him. And what God wants to do this morning is, and I'm not even going to have people close their eyes and and all that. I mean, I I just want to ask you this morning, if you've never given your heart to the Lord and you want to be in harmony this morning, let me see that hand. In front of all these people, 
I want to see that hand. I listened to another guy the other day. He said, you know what? I was in the military. And he said, uh, there was an Assembly of God chaplain that would preach to us in the military every day. And he said, that, mili- that, that chaplain, he said, I don't know how many people would get saved in those meetings. And he said, you know what was so powerful about that meeting? He said, if you ever, he said, there was never a closing of eyes. There was never um, hide and, and then raise your hand quietly. He said, if you gave your heart to the Lord among those men, you did it in front of everybody. And so I'm going to ask you today, 